This is episode two echo of the Software Freedom Law Show for Tuesday, October 5th, 2010. I'm Karen Sandler. And I'm Bradley Kuhn. This is the Software Freedom Law Show. Yes. Finally, again. Well, Osama K is not happy with us. <laughs> we haven't. Yeah, he's been not happy that there hasn't been a new show. It's been a while. Yeah, so it's true. I, but, I, but there's good reason for it. Is there good reason for it? Are well, you sure? I, I, I do. There have, been, um, there have been a lot of things happening. There have been, there's been travel. There's been, um, actually, I think the medical devices paper was already published by our last podcast, actually, but that has been taking up some of my time. And there's exciting news about you, Bradley. What, what's that? Well, it's exciting for you. I think it's sad for me and for SFLC. But um, I guess the news isn't even news anymore. Well, it won't be by the time this is out there, because this is coming out on Tuesday. But maybe some of our listeners haven't been following the news well, I've by the time this goes out, I will have said and announced and talked to so many people about it. I'm sure I'll be sick of it, saying it by then. Maybe. Well, anyway, I'll just catch the chase <laughs> because um, because it's not news yet um, because it's before you've well, it's not news to you announced it. No, it's not news to me. <laughs> but now I'm really thoroughly confused. So I'll just uh, cut the suspense and say that um, that. Bradley is leaving the Software Freedom Law Center to go full-time as executive director of the Software Freedom Conservancy. And we've talked a lot about these two organizations and how they're they're related. Um, but what does this mean for you, the listener, and for me, our, our SFLC Software Freedom Law Show co-cast host? Um, and I would say that, well... For me, it's exceptionally sad because it means that um, that I won't be working every day with Bradley in the same office anymore. But beyond that, I'd say that um, that the sun is shining and things are looking good because the Conservancy is a great organization that will now have a full-time employee, and not just a full-time employee, but a full-time you, Bradley, and that's very exciting. Well, that's true. So, so I guess it might be useful to go over the territory again for our listeners. Uh, and I think the main reason people get confused is they both. It's actually very unfortunate that there are only two organizations in the world that have software freedom in their name because everything should be called software freedom rather than I open did source. just have a conversation with an agent at the um, the U.S. trademark office about the term software freedom. Yeah. Um, because uh, she was claiming that software freedom was sort of the most distinctive part of you know, of of any kind of name that has software freedom something something in it. Mm -hmm. um, and it was very interesting to talk to her about, well, actually, software freedom is a term that um, that a lot of people use to refer to free and open source software. And um, it, was, it, was, it was very interesting. Anyway. Well, and, and as most people know, these two organizations, so the one that I used to work for uh, as of this week and the one that I work for now, um, the, is the, the, they do different services. Uh, the organization I'm leaving, that's Karen's organization, the Software Freedom Law Center, well, provides... Well, it's not correct to say my organization or your organization because, as our listeners know, we keep, like, a whole box of hats in the corner. Yeah, <laughs> and we I, pull I them out. that's true. 
That's true. So, I, well, and that's actually pretty common, and this is off topic, I suppose, but it's pretty common in the free software world. There's there's uh, not a lot of organizations. There are not a lot, and a lot of people are involved with multiple ones. So it's not uncommon that that's the case. No, it's it's pretty common. I think it's, um, it's really interesting because, um, well, you say... Karen's organization, but I'm also an officer of the Conservancy. That's true. Um, and like to think of myself as an active participant in the you Conservancy in in its own right, separate from the fact that I am also Conservancy's lawyer in mm-hmm. my functionality as a lawyer at the Software Freedom Law Center. That's true. And Conservancy certainly needs uh, the legal help of SFLC, which it's grateful for. Uh, but the real difference uh, that we've mentioned before on the Oddcast between the two organizations is that the Software Freedom Conservancy provides the nonprofit infrastructure and various other nonprofit services that aren't legal services to free software projects. So one of the things we've discovered is that a lot of projects need that. And so mm-hmm. many have needed that. And we have so many applications that it's at the point where uh, it, just doing nights and weekends on the Software Freedom Conservancy, as I have been for the last uh, two years or so, it's not really uh, holding it together. Well, those nights and weekends have been so successful that the Conservancy has grown considerably. Well, yeah, it's. I, but I think the point is that, that what's been discovered is these are services that projects really need. Uh, People have talked about this idea of organizational proliferation, everybody starting a nonprofit for their free software project. And that's something that we generally want to avoid because the types of services that free software projects need from a nonprofit entity are very similar. So the Conservancy is basically an aggregator of those services, providing basically anything that a nonprofit might provide to a project. So the first thing that it provides is the ability to accept donations and then the ability to spend those donations in the advancement of free software. And so our spending advances the development of free software for benefiting the public. And I cannot underscore, I cannot tell you guys enough how much work it winds up being in the long run if you form your own organization. It's just, it makes so much sense to have lots of projects in a single nonprofit umbrella. It saves so much paperwork and so much time. And Conservancy also can, uh, now that I'm going to be full time uh, with Conservancy, we can expand our service plan and uh, we're, we're going to start doing some copyright assignment for those projects that want it. And people have seen my comments about copyright assignment and we're, we're doing it in the, the right nonprofit way and making the kinds of promises back to the community that the software will be licensed freely uh, and, and only for projects that want it. It's not, not a mandatory thing in Conservancy, but many projects have been asking for it. They want uh, developers sometimes don't want the burden of having to manage their own copyrights. So we'll do some of that. Uh, we've already done some GPL enforcement, which has been uh, much in coordination with SFLC in the past. And uh, many projects are asking for assistance with license enforcement. And we're going to continue doing that inside Conservancy. So that's a, a something that Conservancy was only doing a little bit of, uh, now can do much more, uh, which I'm really glad about because GPL enforcement seems to be... Uh, a thing that only very few people want to do, um, in part because it's really difficult and uh, it takes a lot painstaking of hard work, work and persistence. Yeah. I should mention, uh, but we, we actually haven't had an oddcast long enough. I, I didn't get a chance in the oddcast to say how 
great it is that Matthew Garrett has been doing some GPL enforcement mm-hmm. lately. That was in the uh, it was on LWN and some other news sites. Uh, I guess two weeks ago. Uh, by the time people are hearing us, maybe three by the time people are hearing this. Mm-hmm. So I'm really glad to see more people get involved uh, in GPL enforcement. And Matthew's uh, trying some new techniques, which is interesting, and I hope they work because we need as many techniques as possible. And so I was really glad to see that. I kind of think we'll see more enforcement over time from a wider base of people. I hope so. And yeah. uh, obviously, if Projects in Conservancy want it, uh, I'm there to provide Well, that's it. what's great about Conservancy, too, is that you also have all this compliance expertise and expertise all around of just free software project management. Mm. And so it's amazing that that can now get spread around all sorts of different projects. Yeah, one of, one of the things I really want to get uh, done in Conservancy, up until now, because it hasn't been my primary focus uh, until now, is actually help projects do fundraising. Uh, generally, we set up the uh, PayPal and Google checkout little donation buttons, and that's the extent to which Conservancy actually helps them with fundraising. They have to do the fundraising themselves, and then the money comes in, and it can be spent to advance the project. But obviously, I've done a lot of nonprofit fundraising, and my hope is that I can help projects do more fundraising for, for initiatives they want to do. If they have uh, developers they want to uh, put on uh, a contract to do software development to make the software better, they should be able to do that. Uh, actually, some people probably saw in the news that Matt McCall did this recently through Conservancy, and I think what he did for the Mercurial project was a really good example of the kind of thing that Conservancy can do. Mercurial needed somebody to give full-time attention to the code mm-hmm. base, and Matt, of course, was the right person to do it. He's, he's worked on the project for, I think, I think, I, I don't, I'm going on a limb and I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that Matt is the, the long, at this point, the longest developer because a lot of the early developers are less involved than they were. So he's sort of the longest uh, person who's been actively involved in the project. And we're uh, funding him for an entire year uh, to just focus on Mercurial. And I would love to see Conservancy be doing more of that over time. And we're looking forward to helping projects raise more money and do that kind of work. And now I can get my full-time attention to it. So the Conservancy is an incredibly important organization. And I'm so happy as a, you know, as a officer of Conservancy and as one of Conservancy's lawyers that this is happening. I just wish that there were maybe and I know I'm not alone, (laughs) double the number of hours in the day so that you could do both as an LCN Conservancy, but it's just not tenable anymore because you've been, I mean, as everybody I think listening may know if you follow Bradley's uh, identica stream, he's just been working all spare hours to keep Conservancy afloat. And so um, it makes a lot of sense, but this well, is actually recorded on Bradley's last day full time in the office at, at the Software Freedom Law Center, and so I think I'm a little emotional because of that. <laughs> well, and I've, I've taken on additional roles this year that I didn't have uh, when I came to work at SFLC. When I came to SFLC, uh, I was uh, full-time at FSF, leaving FSF uh, to be full-time at SFLC. Earlier this year, most people know I was uh, named onto the board of directors of the FSF, and therefore I have additional duties as a volunteer director for FSF. I'm a yep. 100% volunteer. Uh, I was paid by FSF up until 2005, but since then I, I've been, in my things I've done for FSF has been volunteer, and now I actually have a much bigger volunteer burden uh, for FSF now that I'm on the directors of FSF. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and 
that sort of has to become my new conservancy project, the thing I'm doing yeah. nights and weekends, because FSF does need the attention, uh, and uh, and I want to be a, a, a diligent director. If I've learned anything from Karen, it's to be an active, involved director when you're on the board of directors of a nonprofit, uh, because it's you have you have an obligation to to help the organization and be involved in its management. So mm-hmm. so I I sort of have switched things so that now conservancy is going to be my day job and full time job, and then I have to take that time I was spending on conservancy nights and weekends and, and give that to FSF because FSF. Needs Needs, needs my assistance as well. Which is why I systematically refuse to serve on boards. Well, I'm only, I'm only on two. <laughs> no, it's true. And actually, I, I, I'm but starting two's, to... But two is enough to take, a full, take more than a full-time schedule. I'm starting to reconsider it, but, um, but you know, the more I, I, I study the obligations of directors, it's just so... I mean, and I know, um, for example, when you talk about how much time you put towards FSF, that's because of these reasons, that when you, when you have these duties of obligation to an organization and in this case in most cases an organization you care about if you become a director of the of the organization you want to be really involved you have to be you have to spend a lot of time well and and all our listeners who are involved in free software know this that when you start doing something it's very hard to stop if people are happy with the work uh, a great example from the FSF side is uh uh, at the recent FSF board meeting afterwards i was talking to the executive director peter brown and he said to me uh, you know, I, I've been reading your blog a lot lately, and I'm just so glad you're doing all that writing because you're getting the issues we're concerned about <laughs> out there. And, and I thought, okay, it's great that Peter's happy about my blog, but that means it, when I don't blog for two weeks, I'm going to feel like, man, uh, Peter's sort of counting on me to be writing more about free software <laughs> issues, and he really wants me to do that to help FSF. And and so and so, yeah, there's this thing in free. This is a free software world thing. It's it doesn't have necessarily to do with being on a board of directors. Just generally in the free software world, once you start taking care of something, people really start to rely on it because uh, we're a community that that we basically rely on this patchwork of mixed staffed volunteer efforts that it's very complicated i think to navigate and to know what you're actually relying on sometimes right because there's for example i know a lot of people rely on conservancy and i noticed this uh, particularly it's, it's kind of funny because uh, as i've been finishing up at SFLC, i've actually had less time for conservancy than usual because i had to make sure everything was completed by by the end of uh, september when 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 i was leaving SFLC, and i've not done as much on conservancy in September as I usually do. And I noticed very quickly, people are really relying on that service and all the projects have come to rely on me being there, providing stuff when things come up and developers need reimbursed. And, and frankly, conservancy handles a lot of boring stuff. Yeah. Uh, and uh, But it's really important stuff too, because if a developer goes to a conference and they buy the plane ticket and then they get need to get reimbursed, a lot of developers don't have lots of money they can flow to an $800 plane ticket mm-hmm. indefinitely. So you got to get the reimbursement out to them and so forth. And so, and so I, I, and I really- And not only that, lots of organizations just pile this stuff up and never take care of it because it takes so much time to clear mm-hmm. out this whole list of things to do. And they, and they're, it's boring work. So it basically, I mean, not everything that Conservancy does is boring, but, um, but these particularly like travel reimbursements and stuff need to get done. They need to get done right. And, you know, in a regular free software project, most people don't want to do it and I can't blame them. So having an organization set up that takes care of a lot of these things that developers, you know, don't really want to take care of is so incredibly important because otherwise it sits around and winds up becoming a massive liability on the organization. Yeah, it's it, 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 it's true that there is a lot, a lot of it's boring stuff. And, and I actually have always felt it, this has just been a thing, an attitude I've had about free software. I, I, I got in a job doing free software initially from the FSF by being willing to do the boring stuff. Because as it turns out, uh, it's actually very easy to get people to write software because uh, writing software is an enjoyable task. Anybody out there who's a programmer enjoys writing software. 
uh, at least any good programmers. Every good programmer yeah. enjoys writing software. I've met a lot of bad programmers who don't enjoy it, but they were bad programmers anyway. <laughs> uh, but all the good programmers like doing it and enjoy it. Uh, nobody, nobody truly enjoys, in like the same way you enjoy programming, writing out checks for reimbursements for travel or whatever right. it might be. And the thing is, is the, it makes sense to me if I'm going to be paid by nonprofits, if Mount Harvest is going to fund me to do work, it should be work that a volunteer just is not available to do. Well, I mean, the thing is that you just can't count on a volunteer to do these kinds of things and to do it right all of the time. Oh, but I think that's, that interacts, right? The, the point I'm making actually interacts with the point you're making. Because the reason you can't rely on a volunteer, oh, because it's, because not, it's not enjoyable work, yeah. right? You can almost always rely on a volunteer uh, to do programming and some that I mean, not perfectly. When I, when we, I, we need funded programming. Yeah. I'm not well, when I worked on the that, when yeah. I worked at a law firm, the term that we used all the time, which I didn't really like so much, was that that's sexy work. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate <laughs> that phrase. I never used it. And everybody fights over yeah. sexy work, but nobody fights over just the stuff that needs to get done. Yeah, and, and I think when nonprofits are, are paying people on staff, it's really to do the work that the volunteers aren't available to do. Uh, and, th and that's actually been, that's something I learned from actually RMS, from FSF. FSF mm -hmm. has that mentality as well. And I think it's a good mentality well, and, for any nonprofit. And the Software Freedom Law Center as well. Because right now, you could get a lawyer to do one or two of these really exciting, you know, exciting legal matters that we deal with pro bono. But a huge portion of what we do is not, is not sexy work. It's not, you know, it's just stuff that needs to get done. And a lawyer doing this pro bono, not at a nonprofit who has to support a commercial practice is going to be hesitant about taking on too much of that work. Yeah. So it's it's kind of the same thing. And and I, and I, I just I just feel it's a moment that can uh, just to get back to the the going full time to conservancy for for a few more minutes. I think we're in a moment where projects are starting to realize this. I I, I actually relate it to current events. Watching the debacle of what's happened with Oracle. And the crumbling of projects that were totally centered around one for-profit company. And those winds of corporate change can change. And, and who, what projects are getting developers paid by the company to work on changes. And, and all these communities that you see the open off, uh, I'm sorry, the open Solaris community was the first to sort of be stuck. And now they're going to have to, to try and get a fork going to keep it going. We just saw recently the, the LibreOffice guys having to fork open office because of the relationship with Oracle being a problem. Uh, people are talking. There's always, there was already MySQL forks out there, and people are talking even more now. I heard on a couple of podcasts recently MySQL might be in a bad spot. And I think this example of what happened with Oracle uh, I, I was never a huge fan of Sun, but Sun was was compared to Oracle was a good steward when you could, when you line them up next to each other. And, and I think we so my my whole point in bringing up this whole Oracle thing is to compare it to the nonprofit stewardship of free software projects, and that we need more nonprofit stewards of free software uh, to make sure that projects have a longevity that's beyond the life of any one for-profit company. Uh, because nonprofits, in fact, they're not tri primarily trying to make money. They're trying to make enough money to keep going, but they're not trying to turn profits so they can be dedicated to the mission of advancing free software. And yeah, I mean, I think that there's space for both in free software. I think there's room for strong commercial models, um, strong for-profit models, but also there should be strong nonprofit stewardship as well. So I think that those are two things that, that actually go hand in hand. Well, I, I'm not opposed to, uh, to for-profit corporate contribution. In fact, I, I think free software depends on for-profit corporate contribution. The question is, who is the steward of a project? And yeah, I, no, I, I basically believe the steward should always be a not-for-profit entity. 
that's I mean, my view. That's that's yeah. I mean, obviously, I have biased view, of course. I was going to say that's also my strong preference too. I mean, but we're dedicated to working in a, in a nonprofit way. Um, so I just I just didn't want anyone to misconstrue what you were saying as as railing against corporate involvement in free and open source software because obviously that's not at all what you were saying or not your view. That's not my view. I, I think I think corporate I think for profit corporations can't effectively be in charge of free software. I think they can't be in charge of projects. Uh, projects need to be led um, first and foremost well, by the developers who they, write them. They can. And it's just it's really not a, it's it's not necessarily ideal. I think I think because there are some projects that would probably not happen at all if they weren't, you know, if they weren't led by corporations. People have made that argument to me a lot, and I don't really believe it. I, I don't I don't believe it because I, I think every example they point to, it it it, it doesn't turn out to be true. That's right? interesting. I disagree. I'm not prepared to have the conversation yeah. in depth, but pointing out yeah. examples yeah. and things. But I I strongly disagree. Yeah. Well, I, I, but I think I think the thing we we can agree on is that that having a nonprofit steward is is better than having a for-profit steward of a given project. Yes. So so I, I, I think one of the things conservancy can provide, and, is and that I think it actually stewards. often helps the companies that are involved in those free software projects when there is a nonprofit um, steward, um, and sometimes that involves some areas of like liability balancing, but also a whole host of other reasons too. But anyway, I mean, we've we've talked about this for a while, but what we haven't talked about is what's happening with the Oddcast, which I think some of our listeners were probably wondering what's yes, happening now. Yes, the that software and law show is over. It's done. Done. Finished. And we're not kidding either. Like the Linux Outlaws guys, they joked that they were ending after the World Cup, and that they were kidding. But we're, but not, we're not really ending. Well, the, the, <laughs> this show is ending. This sh- this is the last episode of this show. It is the last episode of this show. But that doesn't mean there won't be a show. Well, yeah, and and I, I think. Nor does it mean that your RSS feed will no longer be valid. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> Karen is going to make sure that your RSS feed has stuff on it, um, <laughs> uh, and and that's fine with me. Uh, we, we we had a lot of discussions about this. Uh, I I honestly did tell Karen if she wanted to keep going, she could find another co-host uh, here at SLC. <laughs> um, there were some volunteers too. <laughs> Um, but it yeah. would, it would just wouldn't be the same. And anyway, you know, we're we're still working together in so many ways. SFLC is still supporting conservancy. I'm still involved heavily with conservancy. Um, you are, you know, you suffer freedom conservancy, and you um, FSF in the sense that you're on the board of directors are still clients of SFLC. I mean, it's. Everybody's sitting there confused because we haven't actually said what the full plan is. <laughs> and so everybody's the, the, just going, well, it's not like a live show like it is with Lynx Outlaws where people are denting about it. But, but people are now hearing this and they're walking down the street in their headphones and wondering what the hell, driving to work. what do we mean? Uh, I didn't want to say driving because I'm not supportive of the automobile. I just think that many people don't have any other options. I know, but I, I don't like to think Carpooling to work. I hope they're carpooling. <laughs> Um, Driving their children to school. When somebody, if they're carpooling, is probably annoying everybody else by playing this while they're carpooling. And here we're even we still haven't said what we're going to do. So so I think we've made it pretty obvious. The the the, the truth of the matter is that the well not the truth of the matter but but I think one reading of this is that that Karen and I view ourselves in enough free software celebrity that Uh, our own names you maybe can carry a a show free software celebrity. 
that we're, I am we're, not. this is somewhat of an experiment in some ways. We're, we're, we're going to make a show that is based around the fact, not from a specific organization, but it's our show, it's us. But it will still be available from the Software Freedom Law yeah, Center. from the RSS. Yes. But, but the new site is going to be, it's, we've picked a name. It's going to be the Free Isn't Freedom Show. Free Isn't Freedom is going to be called. And I've procured the domain FA. I always said it as Fife in my head. Fife? F A I F. I always think of it as Fife. Okay, so. Kind of like Faith. <laughs> we've got the domain F A I F dot US. So that's free as in freedom dot US, F A I F dot US. And that's going to be the site for the show. It's an unaffiliated website. I mean, I. It's in my personal name at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, actually, I may have registered in both our names. I can't remember. But it's basically oh, our... Okay. Uh, anyway, I, I consider myself co-owning that domain with... Uh, co-in-charge of that domain with Karen. And that is going to be the show. And that's going to be the canonical website and so forth. Now, Karen's also... Because she's still going to be at SFLC with access to its servers and so forth. So she's still going to put the show up on that RSS feed. So you don't have to change the RSS feed. Um, to, to actually get, the, to, to get this new show. Uh, but if you want to subscribe directly at FAIF.us, you can do that as well. There'll be an RSS feed there too. And with Free as in Freedom, we also can have a little bit more leeway to talk about things other than strictly legal issues too. Although I'm a lawyer, so I like talking about legal issues and that's what I'm most, you know, involved with. But um, but it does give us a little bit more leeway to talk about other issues, which which was a, a lot of some of the feedback that we got when we asked you guys what you wanted to hear was was a wide range of stuff. Yeah, and, I, and one thing that I'm hoping to do with the new show uh, is I think there's one small space uh, that's not covered by other podcasts. Uh, so so the the main podcasts that I think are really great are Linux Outlaws, as I've talked about before. Our producer Dan is is also the co-host of that, and he's also the co-host now of another show, or sometimes co-host of Floss Weekly, which I think is also another good show. The Linux Outlaw guys tend. I to- want to give a shout out to Fab as well because he advocated not killing me recently. Uh, that's true. <laughs> and uh, Fab also d- designed the logo for Conservancy, for our new logo, oh, too. Right. So, yeah, so that's going to be on the website as well. But mm-hmm. uh, So, yeah, Fab's a shout-out, too. But the, for Dan and Fab sort of cover what's happening now, community stuff uh, with a Linux focus. The Floss Weekly show with Randall and his rotating lineup of co-hosts tends to introduce people to new free software projects. I'm hoping that in addition to the stuff we usually, or we used to cover now at this point on the Software Freedom Law Show, that on Freedom Freedom we can also cover uh, in-depth discussion with developers. Uh, I think there's a lot of developers out there that are that are worth really getting into depth about what they do and how they do stuff and and what they're working on. And while Floss Weekly does some of that, they, they're really that show's designed to introduce you to a new project that you might not have heard of, and you don't get to get in depth. Uh, I'd like to go through some of the people that I know in the free software world who've been developing free software for years and have them come on and talk some in-depth stuff technologically about what they're working on, uh, which Fab will find very annoying, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I think some listeners would enjoy that. And I think it's not currently covered. There's no real in-depth developer podcast other basically than John Master's uh, uh, Linux kernel weekly summary thing that he actually does every couple of months right. now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, he was going weekly for a while. It was great yeah. when he was. I, I, I felt like I was following Linux Kernel again for the first time in a decade, but uh, unfortunately it's hard to keep up with. But, but since I'm co-host, it will, we'll still talk about legal issues and, and stuff like that. So Yeah, and I'm hoping if uh, Karen's agreeable to do a conservancy update every every uh, every show. and Well, and of course we'll talk about SFLC stuff as it happens too. Okay. 
Yeah. So, so that's the plan for the show. So FAIF.us is the new site. Uh, you don't necessarily but you don't have, have to, to do anything ISSD. if you don't want to. <laughs> uh, that's true. That's true. But the URL will be shorter. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening to us and sticking with us. Yeah, we well, we'll find out. See, see, one of the reasons I want to get people to subscribe to the new feed is I want to see if we if, how much our celebrity carries. You know. But I think if, if people are we, uh, you know, we can check the stats on the. Um, oh, I guess I, you can. I can't. Well, They're taking root away from we, me in the other room can. right now. I'm sure. <laughs> but. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, it doesn't matter. Do you know everywhere I've ever worked, I had root on all the boxes. I've never not had root on everything. At everywhere you've worked. Uh, pretty much. Well, since wow. since post college, yeah. Boy. Because I was always the sysadmin, right? Yes, and. I don't know what it's like to not have root at work on everything. And I almost got, I got in trouble at my first law firm yeah. job for installing software on computers in the yeah. office. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, oh, and we should mention, uh, um, I, I don't know if we will mention that, that anything else. Is there anything else we have to mention? I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. I think okay, you're, you don't want to. I don't know what you're talking about or okay. referring to, so I'm going to pass you a little pad of paper and oh, you can okay. write it down. <laughs> Actually, we, we've covered so much. Let's just uh, let's end the show and plan for the new show. We'll cover all. We'll cover whatever it is that, that I have no up. idea that Bradley was referring to. Yeah. So, but I, in I our, just don't want in the our show next to, show. The show. I don't want the show to go on too long. So true. Well, so. thanks for listening to us for all of the Software Freedom Law Show shows, shows, <laughs> episodes, <laughs> um, and. Uh, Expect more of the same. Well, it's a little bit different. But mostly the same. The same people, anyway. Okay. <laughs> anyway, we'll see you soon at Freeze and Freedom. We're not going to see anybody. Unless they come to conferences. So true. <laughs> you're still going to do this on the new show? Are you going to tell people you're going to see them later? Yeah, apparently I can't help myself. <laughs> <laughs> we sometimes see listeners at conferences, but... Yeah, and sometimes when they, you know, when they come to New York. And... Or send, well, this, this is what started the whole X-Face thing with all that. Yes. Oh, I should mention... Oh, yeah. We should, oh, that's, that's what I wanted to mention. Oh, was right. it? We should mention it. Actually, we should mention the show because it relates to the last show. So, um, so a, a loyal listener, Dan Scott... Uh, has sent uh, Karen and me uh, soaps with 20-sided dye in them. I'm holding it here, and you can sort of he hear the crinkling of the plastic around the... Yeah. So I, it I, doesn't I, sound like a dye. It was, it was a very nice gift, it's in although, soap. although I, I don't know if I like the joke all that much, because the, the whole joke is that people <laughs> who play Dungeons and Dragons don't wash, so you have to give them soap with dice inside to get them to wash. As a motivation? But uh, but it was very cool that, that Dan Scott was the actually somebody else sent uh, sent me a, a a URL to a foldable twenty D that you could print out. Oh, that's awesome! So, yeah, but oh, that, you didn't so, show me that. Yeah, it was, it was on Identica. If you just that's followed great. Identica more carefully, you would have seen it. I don't. I'm sorry. So yeah, so so those were the two twenty uh, Ds that we got. So uh, so you don't need to send any more. We've gotten them now. Well, you interrupted me, and all I wanted to say was thank you for listening to our show, and we hope you continue to do so. With our new one. Yeah. I'm, I'm still amazed that people make it to the end of these things, to be honest with you. Well, especially when we keep extending the end, like yeah. you keep doing. <laughs> well, all the other shows do this, too, except for Floss Weekly. Randall keeps Floss Weekly, like, right on. Like, okay, we're done. Goodbye. Okay. But Linux Outlaws just goes on and on. Different like style like of radio show. radio used to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, we're done. Okay. All right, well. See you at. F-A-I-F dot U-S. We'll talk to you at 
Free as in freedom. US. The Software Freedom Law Show is produced by Dan Lynch of HalfBakedMedia.com. Thanks to Mike Tarantino for our theme music. This show is released under the terms of the Creative Commons Attribution No Derivative Works 3.0 United States License. Are we going to keep doing this funny thing at the end of the I, new show? I think we should. It's so it's hard to think of things. Well, everybody else uses outtakes from their shows, oh. from misrecordings and that sort of thing. We don't have any. Well, you delete them. You delete them. Well, okay. But one of us does. We delete them.